0: hey everyone joel here from soul revival church as you may have noticed we've just launched our official podcast and that's because you're listening to it right now and we started it in the wake of being unable to meet together due to the issues surrounding the coronavirus pandemic now initially we began this just to post the audio from our sermons but we've quickly realized this week that it wasn't quite capturing exactly what we're trying to do and so guys we've leveled up and now we'll be bringing you everything from each of our gatherings minus the music and the singing, which doesn't really lend itself very well to this particular format. So guys, hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for getting on board with the new way we are doing church at the moment. And I'm going to say that's enough from me, so we can get into the good stuff. One way.
1: What we're going to do now is ask Todd to come to the very long couch. Todd, welcome. Thanks for It's good to see you, brother. Um, this is The Very Long Couch and Todd is going to talk to us a little bit about, yeah that's right. Great yeah, social yeah. distancing going on. That's right, that's right. So Todd's going to talk to us a bit about uh, his week. So how did you go this week, Todd, with all the new things that are happening?
2: Yeah, I guess for me I'm overwhelmed by the amount of zucchini in the supermarket. So thinking through what can you do with a zucchini, um, it's really, I guess this product experience is really unique. Even for me, like I, I work in the city catching the train. Quite often at Town Hall, they close platforms um, during peak hour. Mm. I'm getting on peak hour trains and there's very few people on carriages, so it's it's like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, yeah, I guess probably a lot of people are anxious as well. Like I guess in my workplace, people just, the mm. uncertainty, what does this mean, what does this mean for our jobs, what does this mean yeah. for my kids' schools and my elderly parents, so yeah, really um, unusual set of times yeah that's
1: it and so with with regard to family life like have you guys um, seen a a disruption to that with the kids at school are they feeling okay about that things like that
2: Um, I think right now they're probably holding it together quite well I think that's really a reflection of Laura and how the calming presence that she brings to our family um it is different I guess at least catches the train to school so she's saying Wow, there's not as many kids around Um, Big one for, for Zach this week. They closed um, schools before nine now. So that handball tournament that would normally happen between eight thirty and nine, that was the gone. best part of school. So, from just my those, memory, anyway. yeah, yeah, those yeah. little a- adjustments. Um, I guess we just adapt. Yeah, that's right try, try and I guess they're trying to try and explain what's going on to mm. them. Uh, well, even today, Prime Minister was doing, a I guess, another cross from Parliament House kids watch that thinking, what is going why are we watching yeah. this dad but just to try and help that understanding of mm. this is big we probably don't know how big it is but how can we be caring for everyone right now what sort of
1: things are you saying to the kids
2: um mum and dad love you <laughs> um we're going to be oh, look, probably just reminding them of that good hygiene stuff like it's really important that you do wash your hands um just to be careful but like yeah and that's probably on one level maybe what we are uh, doing right now we are maybe not having those really deep conversations around theology or, or faith and mm. jesus in the midst of that but i'm anticipating yep. that in the coming coming days and weeks as they understand a bit yep. more or comprehend more and maybe as Laurel and i think through what are those key points that we should be sharing we'll be having some deeper conversations with i guess they're primary school age kids jesus just started high school this year so it's big concepts for them to get across as well
1: One of the things we celebrate at Saw Revival Church is that we're an all-age, all-stage church, and we uh, really think the kids are the church of today, not just the church of the future. And so, yeah, if you have any uh, things that you're thinking about, any questions with regards to uh, talking with kids, what are you talking to your kids about, we'd really like to hear. Well, what we're going to do now is uh, Todd's going to pray for us, and I'd love to invite you to join with us at home and pray with us at home as Todd prays now. Thanks, Todd.
2: Oh, Heavenly Father, just we come before you at this unprecedented time. We pray during these times that we will lean on you, that we pray that we will lean into passages like two Timothy one seven, where you remind us that you did not give up give us the spirit of fear, but of love, of power and self control. Just we pray for those who are anxious, sad, unwell, isolated than those who are mourning at this time. Just we pray for the sick and for those who are caring for them. We just also pray for our leaders and those advising them for that, that they may have wisdom at this time. Help us to rely on you, Lord. Help us to give all our fears, all of our worries, and all of our troubles to you. Just thank you that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And please remind us of this beautiful truth daily. Help us, um, Father God, to be gracious, kind, and servant-hearted towards others. And... Um, Just pray as well for the kingdom. Um the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Amen.
1: Well, uh thanks Todd for being Mr. Praying and uh, we're gonna read the Bible next at Soul Revival. So if you're at home and you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you to get it out. Um, One of the things that's great about this service here tonight is that um, for those of us who enjoy uh, Sorrow Revival Sunday Arvo here at Kirrawee every week, this gives us a chance to get together. But it also gives you a chance, if you haven't been to one of our gatherings before, to be with us too. And I just want to say a special welcome to everybody today who's joining us uh, for the first time. So what we're going to do now is we're going to read from James, and I'll read that. Uh, passage now. And then after I've read that, uh, one of the other pastors at Soul Revival, Paul, is going to come and speak to us from James. Well, let's have a read. James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So Paul's going to come and uh now, uh um, bring the message to us, and as he does, I'd love you to keep your Bibles open. Thank you
3: uh in in uncertain times we we long for a comforting word, and so it's been unsurprising as we've watched our political leaders this week, how calm and measured they've been. Um, you know the word of assurance has been, "We'll get through this." The problem is, you can't always be sure about the word of our worldly leaders. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not being disparaging about our government's leadership, um, but they're humans just like us and they're limited in what they can do. Of course, we as Christians believe and hold to an even higher power. We believe in a sovereign God who is almighty, all-knowing, um, he's not taken by surprise by an unexpected turn of events. Indeed, he uses unexpected ways to fulfil his plans. The challenge for us is how do we respond in difficult times? What's our response to that? And God has a clear word about that. A clear word that's in this time of uncertainty, but maybe a word that might be a little bit hard to hear. So that Look at the way the letter to James starts off again. We read it just before. Chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. I mean, that's a shocking word, don't you think? It's a shocking word to our pleasure-seeking, pain-avoiding society. But when you think about it, actually trials can make us better. It's the testimony of many. There's a testimony of a famous journalist known as Malcolm Muggeridge. He was in England, a famous journalist there. In his early days, he was actually an atheist. But later in life, he became a Christian. When he was 75, he wrote down some memoirs. And this is what he said about life. I'll quote, In my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my experience has been through suffering, not through happiness. Hear that again. Everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through suffering, not happiness. Now, some of you might be saying, yeah, wow, that's that's, that's so deep, that's so true. But some of you might be saying, wow, that man needs to get a life. Well, whatever we're saying, we really do need to help God's help at this time and especially right now as we look at his word. So why don't we pray to him that we would respond rightly to his word this afternoon. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you that you are all sovereign and in control of all things. We pray you'd help us to hold on to you in times of uncertainty and difficulty. Help us now as we look at your word it speaks directly to our, our context today. Help us to be people who are willing to hear it and obey it. And so we pray for your Spirit to change our hearts today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, the letter to, uh, of James is a, a favourite part of the Bible for many people. The reason for this is because it's just so down to earth, so practical. And uh, well, verse 2 does exactly that. There's no warm-up, it just goes bang with a hard edge challenge that's to shock us out of our complacency, I think. It's not hard to understand, but man, it's hard to obey. Let's break down this opening passage. Essentially what we're seeing here is two people on view. There's one in verse 4 and one in verse 8. One in verse 4 is mature and complete, not lacking anything. But the one in verse 8 is double-minded, and unstable in all they do. They are vastly different. And the difference is this, how do they respond to trials? Essentially, it's an attitude issue, a mindset thing. That's the way verse two begins. It starts by saying, consider. The question is, how do you consider trial? What is your attitude to trial? What is your response to suffering? Now the passage speaks of trials of many kinds. So we're speaking about all the mess of life in this broken world. Whether it be a viral pandemic that we're going through right now, it could be any type of sickness, relationship breakdown, financial hardship, wickedness, evil, you name it. Now please note that the the passage is not making light of pain. The Bible recognises pain as real. James is not saying, deny your pain. He's not saying, enjoy your pain. The trial itself is not joy, but rather it's the encounter with the trial, the opportunity it provides, the opportunity for you to build a godly attitude and mindset. Friends, um, suffering's not easily solved, is it? Um, often there's nothing we can do about it. It just comes upon us and there's nothing we can do. But there's one thing we can control, and that's our response to trials. And that's what this passage is getting at. Despite something being bad, there's actually a great good that can come out of it. So look at the verses again, from verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I'm going to about a guy called Viktor Frankl. He was a Holocaust survivor and lived through Nazi concentration camps. And uh, after that experience, he wrote about his experience. He observed that those who survived the suffering, which would have been immense, were those that had a purpose. He says that angst is suffering without a purpose. So think about that broadly in life in a different context. Let's say athletics or any sort of sporting endeavour. The athlete goes through hours of pain every day and for what end? Well they have a purpose in mind. Their hope is to win, to win a gold medal or something like that. See trials function to grow our faith, to produce and develop endurance. They have a purpose to produce mature Christians. Suffering turns weak Christians into godly Christians. So They'll be found faithful on the last day. Here's a simple question. Do you want to be mature? Well, consider trials pure joy. That's the word from James. But that's not the natural way we think, is it? We prefer to wallow in our pain. We prefer to use trials as an excuse for self-pity, as an excuse even to sin. But a bad situation is not an excuse for a sinful reaction. It's an opportunity to become better, not bitter. So why joy and trial? Well, it provides us with an opportunity to become more like Jesus. Friends, God never wastes the pain of his people He uses it to refine us, to test us, to to purify us, so we can develop perseverance and steadfastness. It's not simply to make us stoic, it's rather to lead us to complete maturity. And so i say again, trials are there to give us an opportunity to become more like Jesus. I'll tell you about a guy that I know, an old friend called Darren. First time I met him, we were playing touch footy on the oval at uni. Over the years, his mobility started to decline. Initially a restricted walk, then it was hard to climb stairs. A couple of years later, he had a walking stick. The way he is now, well over 20 years since we first met, um, pretty much confined to a wheelchair in need of full physical assistance. Now, his physical disabilities aside, Darren was a a great guy, very sharp, very capable. Uh, He's a loving husband, a father of four kids. But what's most impressive about Darren is his strong and grounded joy in God and his thankful heart in Jesus. Even despite that significant trial that he faces every day, severe disability, he overflows with joy. His response to trials is exactly the way we're being challenged to do here. Now Darren would be the first to admit that he's not perfect. He'd be embarrassed if he knew I was speaking about him like that. I'm sure he's had his moments of frustration and tears, but the trial has formed him into the one of the most Christ-like people I know. Here's a simple question that we can ask ourselves. What do you want most in life? Here's a question, what do you want most in life? If the answer is, I want to become more like Jesus, well, the answer is then embrace trial and difficulty because they will help you to become more like Jesus. But if your deepest desire is ease and pleasure, that's what we want most in life, ease and pleasure, well, the response automatically is to shun trials. Who doesn't want to live a full and happy life living in a bed of roses, making it to 100 years old, getting birthday greetings from the queen, and then quietly, peacefully dying in our sleep and being taken to glory? The older I get, the more I realise that actually comfort is my idol. And God wants me to break that idolatry. So he wants me to think that it's better to be broke and trusting him than rather than being rich and ignoring him, worshipping the idol of greed. It'd be better to be sick or disabled and faithful rather than being healthy and self-sufficient, full of vanity and self-love. Now you might be saying, well, when I suffer and difficulty comes, I just collapse like a deck of cards. I just spit the dummy and I just get stressed and feel sorry for myself. Well, friend, I often think that way too. I default to that camp as well. God's word here really does expose me. Maybe you're like me, that in theory, you would like to respond to trials the right way, but in reality, You fall a long way short. Perhaps there are people here who would prefer to be better, but it just seems beyond them. Well, at this point, God's word is a comfort to us. Have a look at verse 5 together with me. Verse 5, it says that If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding faults, and it will be given to you. Ask God for wisdom, it says. He's a generous giver, generously giving to all, without finding fault. He's, he's gracious and merciful as well. So will you trust him to strengthen you when things go wrong? Will you ask him to help you to think wisely when trials and difficulty come? Will you remain single-minded in your trust in God? So short, friends again. Good catch cry to have is suffering will either make us better or bitter. The difference is wisdom. So ask God for that. But the challenge here and the warning as well is when you ask for wisdom, make sure it's something that you really do want. Have a look at the warning from verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You see, if you're not interested in considering it pure joy when suffering comes, if you're not prepared to think differently about a trial that comes your way, if you're not prepared to trust that God is good, In the midst of pain, then God says, Don't waste your time. Don't waste my time. The one who doubts is like a rudderless boat on a stormy sea. The warning is don't doubt. James unpacks that a little bit more for us when he talks about doubt as being double mindedness the person with a divided loyalty, the person who is not wholeheartedly trusting God, but perhaps. Are looking for answers in their own strength. In the trial, they don't actually cling to God, they start to drift away from Him. Friends, our prayer is uh, to follow Jesus and His example. Um, as we draw near to Easter, we need to let our prayer be like Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that time just before, hours before His crucifixion, He's in the garden. Why does He pray? He prays, Father, Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus didn't want the trial, but was willing to embrace it for God's plan. He, at the time of trial, he held fast to the Father, single-mindedly following him. Our perfect Lord took on our sin and went through the trial of the cross that we may be saved, and not just saved, but that we might be transformed into maturity. So friends, trials really are not an option for the Christian life, they're a necessity. Don't pray to God that you won't have trials, rather pray to God that when trials come, we would rejoice and be thankful that God is shaping you into the likeness of his son. I heard a preacher say once that he would pray that God would keep his children from suffering and pain. But then he said, after reading James and thinking about that more deeply, he thought, I better change that prayer for my kids. This is what he said, and I'll quote what he said. I want my children to go through just enough suffering to be mature. I want them to have just enough loneliness that they would cry out to God. I want them to have just enough rejection to desire the acceptance of God. I want them to have just enough sorrow that they may seek out the joy of the Lord. I want them to have just enough pain to appreciate their health. I want them to miss out just enough times so they'll be thankful for what they have. Friends, isn't that a prayer not just for kids, that's for all of us no matter what age or stage of life we're at. That's a great prayer for us. You can't become mature without experiencing trials. They're there to help us to grow into maturity and that's why when they come we face them with joy. It's not easy and God knows that and that's why he invites us to pray for wisdom. Friends, he's generous and he'll uphold us and use those trials to form us into the image of his perfect son. Why don't I close in prayer for us? Let's pray. Dear Father, you are a generous giver of every good gift. What we need more than anything is wisdom. We want ris- wisdom to rejoice when suffering comes. Help us to understand that these trials are your way for making us mature so that we might receive the crown of life. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. If you have any questions, please get in touch on Facebook or Instagram, where we are Soul Revival Church, or you can email our lead pastor at stuart at com. That's S-T-U-A-R-T at com. Music is OK by Ixon.